Today's show brought to you by our friends over at TOBA, the Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders Association. TOBA's mission is to improve the economics, integrity, and pleasure of the sport on behalf of thoroughbred owners and breeders. Projects managed by TOBA include the American Graded Stakes Committee, the Claiming Crown, ownership seminars, breeding confirmation and pedigree clinics, as well as the Sales Integrity Program. TOBA provides international representation as well for U.S. owners and breeders on the International Grading and Race Plan Advisory Committee, International Cataloging Standards Committee, and the International Thoroughbred Breeders Federation, uh, TCA, the Thoroughbred Charities of America, is also part of TOBA, the charitable arm that is. And then there are also TOBA Media Properties. That's the co-owner of the Blood Horse, which you can get a lot of great racing content. TOBA is represented on the board of directors of the NTRA as a founding member, and TOBA is represented on the board of directors of the Racing Medication and Testing Consortium as a founding member as well. Very involved in a lot of the elements that make racing go, and we're very happy here at In The Money Media to be working with TOBA. And welcome to the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for the races of Saturday, July 15th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. Back with you in the Brooklyn bunker once again. I was half thinking of trying to zip up and make Saratoga opening day, but a series of events, including getting the uh, side mirror knocked off the car, have led me to spending the weekend here in Brooklyn. If you're watching me on Sky Sports tomorrow, I will not be on the roof at Saratoga as was originally planned. I'll be here in the bunker. But uh, we'll still be betting away. We've got great racing action, not just from Saratoga, but also from Monmouth and Woodbine that we're going to be covering on this show. And for the first two segments, bring in a very familiar voice whose work you know from these airwaves from InTheMoneyPodcast.com. From the microphone, it's Sam Houston. He is Nick Tamaro. Nick, what's going on? I'm doing great, my friend. Glad to have you back stateside. And, uh, a little change of pace from Jonathan and I. Everybody's probably getting tired of it. <laughs> you guys did a great job and picked plenty of winners and had some good discussion along the way. Really appreciated you you guys filling in and, and doing the business. I mentioned to JK about coming on the show today. And when I sent him the time, 8 a.m. Eastern, uh, his response was simply, wow. <laughs> I guess he was planning on doing some opening night uh, festivities. So I told him, look, you're off the hook this week. Maybe we'll get him back for the Haskell next week. Speaking of the Haskell, we are going to have an absolute ton of coverage. We're going to be looking at it a whole bunch of different ways. You and I, Nick, will be doing a show focusing on the fixed odds part of things. We're also going to be doing shows a bit more focused on uh, the pool betting aspect. And we've got a uh, we've got what looks to be a pretty interesting race uh, shaping up for for the Haskell next weekend. Have you have you looked ahead to it at all? Have you been have you have you had your eyes on these probables? Yeah, there's the probables I've seen include Forte. I'm sorry, not Forte. He's actually going to yes. Jim, Jim Dandy now. Um, a couple of West Coast Invaders, Go Rocket Ride and Arabian Night, uh, Extra Añejo. So, yeah, field looks like it's coming together pretty well. I mean, I don't know I don't know how many they're going to get to take on those, but I do think that it'll definitely have some. No, I'm seeing potentially Arabian Night and Arabian Lion taking places in, in here, as well as maybe Angel of Empire. I mean, Tapa Trice also listed on the, on the list and, 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 and Mage as well. So like, gosh, if everybody who might show up shows up, I, I mean, this has a 
real uh, race of the summer potential. Yeah, for sure. No, it undoubtedly does. It's uh, it's something that could get really, really. So exciting. we'll see what happens. They're going to draw on Wednesday, and then you know our coverage will start pretty much immediately thereafter, and we'll get some some good stuff going. Let's start off today's show, though. We will get back to the Jersey Shore, but let's go back to upstate New York, and we'll start with the elephant in the room, as there so often is um, in Saratoga in terms of weather. We, I was an optimist, and I handicapped this for, uh, for, for turf, but there, there is a chance things are going to come off. We'll chime in with any thoughts we have about that. And we're going to start off, usually we do the pick six, but because we have this very interesting grade one Diana going as race four. Now, I'm not usually one to come up here and tell you when there's a race with four or five horses and four trained by the same person that it's an interesting race. But uh, the more I delved into this race, especially with the possibility of at least there being cut in the ground, it made me think there could be a betting opportunity here. I mean, I'll be honest. If this is fast turf, which doesn't look like it's going to be, I would look like in Italian was pretty darn nailed on. But given how short she's going to be and that all of her firm, all of her form is on firm turf. And, you know, Chad Brown himself has said that often uh, soft turf can be the kryptonite for some of his horses. If this is a race with cut in the ground, I think it could get a little bit interesting in terms of maybe trying to take a reach for a price. Is that how you see it? Or do you think this is just in Italian and, and move on to the next? Um, it's going to be tough to beat her. I, I would say the only scenario I could envision is one where market segmentation is close enough to her at the quarter pole to maybe soften her late. And so the, the reason I say that is because in Italian style, largely through 2022, was a very take-no-prisoner style, specifically when she was written by Joel Rosario. One of the things Irad has done in her last two starts, which I do think ultimately could be a problem for her, is he's really, really kept her in hand early before trying to unleash her late. The vulnerability there is that when you're going a little bit longer and you're facing fillies who might be better at that distance, you're you're welcoming them into the race earlier. So I think a mile and an eighth is about as far as an Italian wants to go, ideally, under a normal circumstance. Obviously, pace-wise, you know, that's a big factor. So I think that's probably the extent of her vulnerability. Uh, wet turf is a little bit of a question. She's really been at her best on fast ground. I don't think that that she's had really an opportunity on a particularly boggy turf course. It generally, to me, is hard to quicken on a on a wetter turf course. So I don't know um, how much you know, some of the deeper closers like Fluffy Socks and, and White Beam are really going to benefit from there being some cut in the ground. But uh, Fev Rover ran really well on a wet turf course a couple of weeks ago at Woodbine. You know, it's hard to tell exactly how wet those courses are. But um, I think that's probably an Italian's vulnerability is if she goes a little too slow early, she's going to welcome some of those horses into the race. And market segmentation is very sharp right now. She's obviously not nearly as good as an Italian, but she's a And the fear of, talent. you know, team tactics just in the sense of market segmentation not doing everything to avoid getting it in Italian's way. That's also not uh, – it's not impossible. But I, I will make a little case on soft that fluffy socks could be the interesting one in part because she looks so slow comparatively on paper. I really do think you could get the 8-1 to one of the morning line or at least 6-1. to one. And, and just looking at, you know, numbers that she's run with cut in the ground, I, I think she is one that might be able to – that might be able to move up and maybe – also, Fevrover has to be ridden a little bit more aggressively, being the lone non-Chad Brown runner in this race. I mean, she certainly can't count on others to do dirty work. So if you get to there 
to be a bit of a real race entering the turn with market segmentation um, pushing an Italian with Fev Rover maybe moving a little bit earlier. Maybe it's a case where she who moves last moves best, and maybe Fluffy Socks can get the job done under that very specific set of circumstances. I obviously still think uh, in Italian, the most likely winner. And if it does come up firm, I think it's a single and move on. But I do think um, Fluffy Socks a little bit interesting. In terms of how you're going to play the race in your verticals or, and, and or horizontals, what, uh, you know, for our little plus write-up thing I'm throwing around here, what would you uh, recommend doing? It's not much of a betting race. I mean, I don't, I would say if anything, I'd bet market segmentation to win maybe at nine to two, but I don't, I don't envision me betting it very much. I would say, you know, I, I like to cold punch an exact in these kind of scenarios. I guess if I was going to cold punch, it would be two, four, but um, I mean, again, it's sort of, sort of heretical because I just said that I would bet market segmentation to win at nine to two. So yeah, I, I don't think more much of a, more race. of a pass. If I forced you to list numbers, something like two, four, three would would be uh, will, will be appearing in your column. You think? All right, let's move ahead to the start of the pick six, um, which happens in race number six with the New York bred uh, fillies and mares three and up. We're going a mile on the inner. We've got a full field signed on. We've got a couple of AES. Uh, we've got a couple of MTOs that could come into play here as well. Nick, how are you thinking? You want to light this candle? Yeah, tough race. I mean, and obviously the weather situation will go a long way towards determining what you do ultimately. I thought Kosuke was interesting. I, I liked his last race. I don't love Jamie Torres on the turf. Um, so Lib was disadvantaged by a wide trip when you kind of wanted to save ground last time out. The horses coming out of that race did not perform particularly well last week in, in a similar set of circumstances. You know, it's an interesting race because horses like So Lib and Silver Skillet are going to get a lot of money and they're really not that interesting. So they're horses that I think you could definitely take a bit of a swing against. Um, Lady of Thoratin is one that I'll, I'll have on my tickets. I think she's better going longer. I think she also gets a little bit of pace to run at here. Lady Jasmine has been a little bit outposted um, in recent starts and, and didn't really have a great opportunity. I think in each of her last two, she's a little bit interesting at a price. So I'm pretty scattershot here. I'll probably pick Kosuke on top, but um I think it's particularly tough on turf. If it's on dirt, you know, that's a, a little bit of a different situation because uh, you're probably going to have to at least acknowledge that Timely Conquest will be very, very dangerous second time out off that good maiden win because April Antics is a, is a mare at this stage of her career that just really doesn't Three and eight, the numbers to uh, name check for you on turf and 16 on dirt. So it's for exactly me, I'm right. with you on Kasuke. Very forward profile. Didn't think that was a very easy trip last time. Lots of room for improvement. Good post for a barn that points for this meet, and I think should be a price, though the likes of you and me putting on top means maybe everybody else is seeing this too. I also wanted to mention the nine snowy evening, another one of these. Steve Christ is so good at so many things. Naming horses, another one for this, uh, for, this uh, uh, for this daughter of Frosted. Um, this horse is starting to get good, and I feel like the form, if you just focus on the last two, the form looks a lot better than if you look at the whole PP cut, if you know what I mean. And so I think there's, there may be a pretty decent price here. I think the mile's going to suit Snowy Evening as well. You can back up with logicals, uh, but I like the, the idea of trying to press the three and the nine on the A line, maybe 10, 11, two on the B line, but no confidence in those. And then the 16, again, looks very tough if we're going to be off. Let's go to this allowance race for Phillies and Mares going five and a half that goes as race number seven. 
I thought Lady Milagro looked like the speed of the speed in this spot, and I was not going to mess with that. And I was also going to use the horse with the giant number staring in the face, and that's Playlist. I thought it might be as simple as 5-1 in race 7 with uh, the 8-runner, um, Quick Money, looking like the one if they come off the turf in this spot. Those are the three that I wanted to talk about. What do you got in here, Nick? Yeah, I mean, the only other one worth mentioning is Breeze Easy, who's probably going to be the favorite. Third off the layoff. She had a little bit of trouble last time, but it was a fast-paced race, so I don't want to give her too much of an excuse. It does seem to me at this point like she's a definite win candidate, but uh, you know you're taking the worst of it odds-wise because these connections are going to get pummeled in the in the markets, and uh, she's a filly with at least some some good recent form that uh, everybody's really – That was my fear on. as well. In terms of your picks, how would you, how would you write it up? I'll probably pick Breeze Easy. I haven't made my final selections just yet, but I do think she'll get enough of a setup because I don't really trust Lady Milagro yeah. to stay the trip. And I also think Living Up is going to put a charge. Okay, in that makes early. that makes plenty of sense. So focused on the four with a shout for the five and the one potentially underneath at this stage. Of course, you can read Nick's final picks on the pages of InTheMoneyPodcast.com. And you can also check out his diary that he's doing daily with loads of extra info and really a must read for Saratoga. You can get that from the In The Money Plus website. That's inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus. Lots of great extra stuff happening there. Race number eight, New York bred, Phillies, maiden special weights. We're going seven furlongs on the dirt. Few interesting horses in here. Who do you who do you think you're going to pick on top? Let's ask it that way. You know, I, I don't really want to take Ichiban, but I do like her last race. I thought she ran well against Big Hazel. She contested the pace. It was her first start off a layoff. She's second off the bench now. Linda is so good going long now. You know, this wasn't much of a conversation that we had years ago, but the cutback is no worry to me. I think seven eights is probably exactly where this filly wants to be. And I do think that in her first start, at least in New York, she ran against a good field. Clover Street ran very well that day. I also thought Mim was a little interesting on the outside. I don't really know how well she ran last time, but um, it was at least a good starting point for Marcassi, and now she's second off the layoff. Obviously, the uh, the variable is Nejude, a, a Union Rags firster who's uh, out of the damn juju eyeballs. Um, Nejude, of course, very <laughs> clever as well, talking about good names with another another Beatles name yeah. in this family. And uh, she's a half to November Rain, who, of course, won the the three the older female sprint stake last year on showcase day, so there's a lot of pedigree. Yeah, what was the there. other one? The walrus gumboot? Is that the other one in this family? It's so they exactly come right, together yeah. names I get. Nay Jude, you know, that gets in off the goalpost. Uh, November Rain, little bit of an outlier, but you still get the rock and roll connection with, uh, I'm sure Guns N' Roses would be flattered to be in the same uh, uh, rock and roll conversation as the Beatles. This is a tricky race. I do have Nay Jude in the mix. I had actually listed third. I put the two shotgun Patsy on top. This is just a profile I like. Horses that catch money on debut and don't break well. Typically, that money is a proxy for more early speed that they weren't able to show. And the other thing about Shotgun Patsy was ran along a rail that I just didn't think looked great. Bill Mott, is, I, this is what I've settled on. This is really just pure hypothesis. I haven't run the numbers on this. But I feel like when his horses run really well first out, they do not move forward second out. They stay the same or even regress a little. But ones like this that have showed, like show some ability but don't run a terrific race all in all, they often do improve second out. That's what I'm looking for from Shotgun Patsy. And then the other pedigree one I wanted to mention was the six Island Rose. This dam's dropped seven winners from nine to make it to the races. Of those, 
two winners and two seconds first time out. Got Gunrunner in the mix here. This isn't one I, I can see letting beat me. I had a two six nine. Uh, was going to try to take on Ichiban, though I certainly understand why you're uh, you're, you're likely to pick in this spot, given everything we know. Let's move on to the Kelso, Nick. Grade three action going a mile on the inner turf here in a race that I just think it sets up so beautifully for Annapolis. I'm going to keep it simple. Kaza Creed, I know he has done well at a mile, but this is going to be a truly run mile that's really going to test stamina. I don't think it plays into Kaza Creed's favor. I feel like Big Everest is going to have loads of company on the front end. Annapolis is just going to sit in behind, get the absolutely perfect trip. I'd go ahead and bet that 8-5 to five and, and be done with it. Is it as simple as Annapolis in the Kelso? Do you like one of the other faves, or do you like something at a bit of a price? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you, and I was laughing. I actually tweeted about it the other day that I saw two different headlines about this race, and they were about Big Everest. And I was like, I don't know if people have forgotten who Annapolis is, but like Big Everest is a distant third choice in this race. I'm not sure Big Everest is likelier to win than Fila Ariano or Anaconda. Um, he, he has he has absolutely no chance to me. He was incredibly lucky to win the Dangerous Hour and and set a pitifully slow pace against a weak field in the cliffhanger. I mean, I'll be surprised if he makes the quarter pole. And, and if by some chance Midday Image or, or Ice Chocolat on the stretch out show speed, obviously Fila Ariana will be forwardly placed. I mean, he's not getting a sniff of this. So I thought Annapolis would be extremely tough to beat, Pete. I, I didn't see really taking a big stand against him. The thing with Casa Creed is that, you know, the mile that he won last year in the four-star, Dave, it had a lot to do with the fact that he raced along the inside for the first six furlongs or so of that race and then popped out. And that was when the rail comes down on the inner turf, and it's, it's usually a lot faster. I don't know how good he is at a mile. That's my worry. What we do know is that he's a veteran with a lot of talent, and um, he really ran his race last time, and he ran fine. There was no no shame in finishing third the way that unfolded because he was wide much of the way. And again, that was a situation where the rails had been taken down, and it was advantageous to be along the inside. So he, he's the other horse, clearly, but Annapolis will be a single yeah, for me. Yeah, I like it. I, I think we're, we're singing in harmony there. If this one comes off, they're all running for second to gun it, yes? Um, yeah, if this one comes off, they might as well enter you and me in a horse suit because there's going to be there's going to be one horse in the race. I mean, if two look, if, if two races are run on the turf tomorrow, they will unquestionably uh, unquestionably excuse me be the Diana yes, and, the, and, the, and, the and that that's actually fairly fairly likely horse. scenario. It's just if rain blows through again, then on the day it could get ugly. More stakes action in race ten, the Grade Three Sanford. Um, we've got a, a field of ten. We've got a massive favorite in the form of gold sweep. There's some other interesting runners in here, but on this day, I'm not, I, I just don't see how they can beat this horse on the, on the numbers and on the, and on the profile. It's a two-year-old race. People are going to say anything can happen, but I, I, I was thinking that gold sweep was nailed on and it was as simple as that. Anything clever. No, it looks that way. Right. I mean, uh, David Aragona put up a poll the other day. Who's a likelier winner on the Saturday card in Italian or gold sweep. And, and I think uh, an Italian was winning narrowly, but I, I mean, they're about, yes. that's a good question. And Gold Sweep looks a lot, at this stage of the game, he looks a lot better than these horses. This is a dangerous barn when it comes to any type of runner, specifically two-year-olds, because they do get their horses ready early. The fact that he's been able to rate comfortably off the pace, I think is a big feather in his cap. And, you know, there's just not another, the thing about yesterday, Skyler Phil, is there were a couple of other horses in that race that had run in the neighborhood of 70 buyer speed figures, and that looked like it would be enough to compete with the favorite. Well, of course, the favorite ended up not even running that well. There aren't even horses that have come 
within shouting distance of Gold Sweep in prior starts. So I think it's a fade. The nightcap on Saturdays are scheduled for the turf five and a half uh, maidens. We've got another big full field. I was looking to uh, the outside runner Bay uh, Long in this spot. First time gelding using figure improvement for age kind of angles cutting back there's just a lot a lot of angles i thought the draw could work out very well for this one there'll be plenty of beer run on the tickets too in case this one is able to just spurt away from there and uh, lead them on a merry chase but i was thinking it was 212 to close it out what do you got i wish i had something uh, clever in there i i don't i feel like it's the same horses you know the first time starters the lightly raced horses the non-turf types don't really have much pedigree. Flat top box did run better second time out, and really, I mean, if you want to, if you want to split hairs a little bit, probably didn't run that much worse than Beer Run, and now does have some upside with it just being his second turf start. So I would probably make him the other option, but um, I can't see myself having more than two, four, and twelve on the tickets. And you're right with this bot by long. Um, however you pronounce it. Um, Mod has actually been okay cutting back on the turf. There's also a little bit of a, of angle there with the ultimate equipment change plus the Lasics off the long layoff. So at least something you can you can point to to say, hey, there's a reason why he'll run. All right, let's move it to the Jersey Shore, my friend. We've got uh, some races at Monmouth to talk about for, for our friends down there. Again, going to be tons of Monmouth, Monmouth coverage coming uh, fast and furious this week, looking at things, looking at the Haspel card from both a fixed odds and pool betting perspective. For the purposes of this show, we'll kick on with uh, race number six, where we've got Maiden Phillies going a mile 70 on the dirt at Monmouth. What did you think of this one? You know, I wondered, Chad Brown effectively uses Monmouth as like a triple A plus and um, he sent Tower Bridge down off a debut where she was bet down to seven to two and really didn't do a heck of a lot of running, but looked like a filly who really needed a race. I think distance will also be her friend. So I thought she'd run a lot better second time out and just projecting the improvement that I think you'll get from her. The horses in here that are established and have run multiple times, they're not very good. So, you know, to me, that was enough to really make her a pretty solid favorite and a, and a safe selection. Um, I wish I she was going to be a bit more priced, but obviously that's not happening with these connections. So I guess the angle there is maybe you're going to get a little bit better price because the four will take a lot of money with Paco. But I thought Tower Bridge would improve enough second out to get it done. And I, and I think the weight break is a good I thing. I totally as well. get Tower Bridge and had listed. But I did think I wanted to try with number two notable queen maybe on a little bit of a pace angle here for Cameo. Uh, bobbling at the break, rushing up a little bit into that fast fraction, maybe with a clean getaway can get out there and maybe be a little tiny bit of a price with some others, including Tower Bridge and Kiss Me Hardy, who are sure to take money. Let's talk about the seventh race there. We've got a $16,000 claimer for Phillies and Mares going a mile on a 16th on the turf and a field of nine. Uh, what did you come up with in here? Uh, so I thought this was another one that was a little tricky, and I mean, we'll, under, we'll obviously see what's going on with the uh, turf situation as we get closer to Friday or Saturday and get through Friday's card. Uh, you know, I, I think ultimately I'm going to try Lindsay Schultz's first off the claim fast mule army mule progeny have been kind of bizarrely good on the turf so far. 
this is a broken vow mare as well. So there's reason to believe this horse could end up on being better on the turf. So I wanted to try that one at a little bit of a price. I didn't have a major issue with any of the favorites. I thought Lost Luggage had some appeal. Um, I don't have a problem with Bletchley Girl for Jane Chabelli, who's obviously a very good trainer dropping this horse in class from 25 to 16. But I'm going to try Fast Mule at a little bit of a price and hope that Romero Mirage can get this one to the lead. And maybe I like that idea. Attack. And Lindsay Schultz, I mean, you look at her overall numbers, definitely a trainer that you should yeah, Very and, good first time. And, and just the overall yeah. numbers, you look at her like time form, you know, how they do the numerical ratings, extremely strong in, in many categories. I was more born, I, I kind of am wishing now I'd pick Fast Mule and uh, I'm definitely going to use in my actual betting, but in my original reckoning of the race, I just thought Lost Luggage was going to be very, very tough because when you look at the pace map, going to be sitting in a great place and, and has plenty of finish. The Paco over bet at Monmouth Factor, uh, notwithstanding, I went with the seven here, but I'm increasingly liking your idea of the six as well. Race eight. $7,500 claimers, a mile and a 16th on the dirt. Field of nine going post. We're definitely getting some uh, some bigger fields uh, this year at Monmouth and uh, in, in some of these races than I feel like we've seen in years past. Um, we've got uh, another Paco potential favorite here in Sailor's Return. Are you with or against? Um, you know, this is, this is another situation with him. And, and of course, on the morning line, Brad Thomas bakes in a lot of Paco love. This one looks like he should be pretty tough. I, I've I've got a, a strong feeling that going to 7,500, they're pricing this one to win and get claimed. It's obviously not ideal that he uh, that he was taken for 30, but his race two back was good. He moved very strongly into the teeth of the pace, and um, and so you know I, I thought it was a strong performance all in all. Father Glado is interesting to me because I do think his lone dirt race showing in his PPs is probably better than people realize. Klugman was super sharp at that point. So was Sensei Lawrence. There was no pace on it. I thought he ran pretty well. So Jose D'Angelo is off to a very good start at the meet. And, uh, and Isaac Castillo is one of the more underrated riders in the, in the circuit. So I'd use both of those two. I think I'd that was the one I was interested in. Father Glotto off the same angle. Just that was, you know, chasing a slow pace in the lone dirt race. Ben Gelded since has improved since. I think if you translate that over, I mean, five to two doesn't do a whole lot for me. But yeah, this is one where if you were willing to try to do a little lock it up situation with the favorites, I think you could take a much worse approach than that. Stakes action, blue sparkler, five and a half for these three-year-old Colts on the turf. We've got some cross entries here, making this one a little bit tricky. I haven't seen the scratches for today. A couple of these are, are entered for Saratoga today, and then there's weather, et cetera. So it, we, we won't exactly know who's turning up here uh, for, for a minute. But uh, from what we know right now, Nick, who do you like to win? Well, we're off the turf at Saratoga, so in all likelihood, Love Appeals and um... – and Bossarati will run here also because they're not stable at Saratoga. My sweet affair is stable at Saratoga. So unless George Weaver shipped her down to Belmont, I doubt she'll go to Monmouth. Um, she may end up running on the dirt and or just may, might be scratched. So, uh, you know, if, if that ends up being the case, I mean, Bossarati feels like she'll be, she'll be tough on the front end. She was not really going to meet much resistance on the pace in Saratoga. And I think she'll meet even less of it here. So she's, she's my horse. She's actually my mom at bets pick of the day as well. Cause I think she'll wire this bunch. And I thought she went very well in the stormy blues last time out. I really looked comfortable on the front end, had to do it with the long straightaway too. second wire finish. So I think she's a Philly that really has taken off since she got to the turf. And, and I think she's got a lot of upside as well. In addition to a do we think dream concert was just entered here in case it comes off or is she going to be potentially, or he, excuse she going to be giving a hassle to Bussarati. 
Um, it's possible. I do think uh, pace figure wise, Maserati is quick enough to get clear of her. I think she might have been entered specifically looking for dirt, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up trying her on the turf as well. The thing to me is she looked most comfortable last time out, rating a little bit off the pace. That's fair. I was going to take a little bit of a shot with the plentitude in this spot of Philly, who I think should be able, if that pace duel develops up front, sit in a, in, in a nice place and have plenty of bottom. You know, that's a fairly significant cutback from six at Belmont to five and a half here. I was thinking it might be able to, to serve plentitude well in this spot. We are just about out of time, Nick, so let's pivot to race number 10 at Monmouth, where we've got these maiden claiming 12s going a mile 70, uh, field of seven to close out the day. Who's going to get it done? Yeah, I thought it was pretty simple here. I'm, I'm going to be mainly on the one. Um, I, I thought you could maybe make a bit of a case for a couple of others, but I thought that the son of Munnings would really benefit from the drop. The first time starter, Cachoe Pepe, another good name for Mr. Amore's stable, is a half to the stakes placed its gravy. The dam was turf only, and you're debuting the horse for 12-5. So, I mean, you're obviously not thinking very much of them. Window Joke is on a big drop as well, has some back dirt races that make him competitive, but I thought things would set up all in all pretty well for him. All right, that there you go from Nick with uh, his thoughts in the final race. I was a little bit interested in, uh, in Cachoe Pepe, in this spot and uh, took a long look at at one who's had just too many chances in the end. Uh, Dad's on a roll. I'll probably end up splitting stake here between Cachoe Pepe and and Mad Magic. Nothing nothing too clever for me to close things out. Nick, appreciate you and your help. We'll be checking in uh, this weekend and beyond. Uh, Have a great weekend. Sounds great, my friend. Thanks so much. Next up on the show, I'd like to start off just by saying jet lag is a terrible thing. I spent you know, probably a good hour, 90 minutes of my life yesterday looking at this uh, pick four at Woodbine. I don't feel as up to speed on Woodbine, so it took a little bit longer than usual. Made all these notes, and then today took about half an hour trying to find the notes that I was sure were open on my computer, but actually I had saved. The solution came courtesy of our next guest. He joined me on Horse Player Happy Hour this week. He's the reigning BCDC champ. He's our business manager. He's Drew Cotney. Drew, what's up? I'm good. I will approve uh, an AirPod tag to track your location so you don't misplace yourself because uh, we need you around here. <laughs> well, thank you for, you know, you can add to your already multi-hyphenate uh, job title. You can add IT guy because it was your your suggestion that made me realize I had actually saved the file. But what was really ter- what was more terrifying than anything else is usually if I spend time and make notes, if I look the next day, even without the notes, it pretty much comes back to me. But in my jet lagged state, it actually wasn't coming back to me at all. I could not remember who I picked. Like that's not a great sign for the way the brain is working. But I thought we had a good show yesterday, got some good sleep. I have accepted my lot in life um, that I'm not going to make it up to Saratoga this weekend. I've got too much crap, just life crap to deal with in Brooklyn after a month away, including a broken car that needs to be dealt with. So I'm going to go directly to San Diego from here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now that I've accepted it, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to a, a couple of days in, in, in Brooklyn here. What do you have cooking this weekend? Yeah, no, speaking of your Saratoga uh, events, you're kind of gambling on whether or not you're even going to be dry for those. So um, looks looks uh, pretty dicey. Um, our, our friend Marshall Sterling on Twitter should be able to help. Uh, I think it's G1 Handicapper, yep. I think is his uh, Twitter yep. handle. 
Um, so yeah, we've got, we've got not a lot, uh, in, my parents are coming in town and, uh, we're just kind of catching up. We've been, we've been at our other house for the last two or three weeks. So it's kind of getting settled in and getting ready for, uh, for the summer and the Saratoga meet. And, uh, I just keep itching for the Saratoga Whitney weekend where we're all heading out to Saratoga to, to descend upon, uh, the plant. And, uh, I don't know if I told you this, I'm taking the train, uh, got a little sleeper car situation, get on in the middle of the awesome. night, uh, runs along Lake Erie and then takes, takes a turn around Buffalo, uh, over to Albany. And then, uh, we're going to Uber up. So we've done this train down to new Orleans, any of our Chicago listeners who True. City, famous city of new Orleans, right? Yeah, so that's the I've done that. That's the best, right? You jump on at nine, you get to do a dinner downtown, jump on the train, uh, and wake up and uh, have a have a quick breakfast and a Bloody Mary, and uh, you're in New Orleans, so you can't <laughs> eat it. Rail travel is cool and underrated, and somehow goes very well with horse racing. I guess it was similar uh, similar old timey vibes. But uh, that, that's very cool. And, yeah, Whitney Weekend's going to be huge. That is when the things really kick into high gear. Next week we got a lot going on. I mentioned in the other segment with Nick, with Haskell's looking like a loaded race. We're going to have tons of coverage of that. And, of course, Del Mar opening day. We'll all be heading out on, uh, on Monday as well. So lots of good stuff happening. We're going to be covering it all. But in this segment we're going to be covering Woodbine on Saturday. We'll be looking at the late pick four, as we so often do. And we kick off with stakes action. Gosh, this would have been one. I could have included in the baby talk lineup, uh, which I did not do. This will have to suffice for the conversation of the My Dear Stakes. Uh, baby talk sponsored by Gainsway will be making its debut. You can look for that. A show with uh, me and Ben Gowans of Gainsway will be taking a look at the, some of the two-year-old racing from Ellis and uh, and Saratoga on that one. Here we look at this My Dear Stakes, these two-year-old fillies going five and a half. Who did you like to kick this thing off, my friend? Yeah, I thought this was a fun race. I'm actually shocked with the morning line of my top choice, the number three, Dancing Duchess, at five to two. I would have expected six to five or so, but hey, I'll take five to two. Blew the break on debut and getting smashed out of the gate. So we'll completely excuse that first effort and then came back and faced some serious pace, being pressed and carried onward. Um, today gets what should be the inside speed draw. I don't really see a lot of speed inside. And should just be able to carry on with this thing. So Dancing Duchess for Mark Cassie, big September uh, Keeneland uh, yearling sale at 400000 So they have some high hopes for this one. The other one I'm going to use at a bigger price is the number two Crafty Oak at 10 to 1. If the pace falls apart, this runner will be here to pick up the pieces and last out struggled to keep up with the pace, but hit a new gear late down the lane. It was a very interesting race if you go back and watch it because it looked like Pippet had all but one, but speed and faded on, on us. So just two horses for me here, the three and the two. You could look at the number seven Stormcast at two to one, but I didn't see a ton. Uh, yeah, a little bit wide, but it's going to have somewhat of a similar trip today. So not sure why the favoritism is attached to that one. We'll see how they end up betting it. I like the four of Bolt Ennery in this spot. And the little bit of a fear is Timeform at least had that coded as a big speed favoring day. But it's not like Bolt Ennery just went right to the lead. Did have to work a little bit to get there. But then if it was a good rail slash good speed, may have been a little bit flattered. But I'm just banking on the good time that was run there and then feels like one that was maybe put away for a spot like this um, after mm -hmm. that maiden win coming back that work two back looks really strong 
a tarred one you can usually count on for second out improvement. So even if both entry was maybe a little bit flattered, I think a good forward trip is in the offing here, maybe just stalking Pippet and trying to take over on the turn. So I'll nominate the five, Drew going with the three and the two to kick things off in stakes action at Woodbine. We'll move to the turf for race number eight. We've got an allowance going six furlongs and a field of seven. I like the seven cotton quite a bit in this spot. Had that uh, leg stretcher 20 days ago. I like the fact that cotton is the outermost drawn speed in here, which I think could lead to a good trip around the slightly more galloping six furlong uh, turf sprint. I just thought on numbers and on trip, uh, cotton looked very tough in this spot is the second choice on the morning line to Artie. Drew, are you with one of those two, or are you uh, reaching for something at a bit more of a price? No. So who was your second one? I didn't hear your... Well, I, I just mentioned that Artie was the morning line favorite. I'm not I actually see. with off the layoff at the projected short price. but I see. Two, I see. Yeah, I think those two are going to take a, a big chunk of the market. Yeah, so I'm with the number seven as well for all the reasons you mentioned. And I just... Drexler, of course, is firing at 24% up at Woodbine, so doing everything right, and Hernandez stays aboard. The other one that's a little interesting and I think is going to go overlooked in the uh, betting is the number three Spite Store uh, at 4-1. to one. I think if the pace falls apart, this horse will have a great ground-saving trip and jump up right at the, at the perfect time, has some good figures, and the added distance should help keep this runner in touch with the field. Um, we talk about it all the time, moving from sprint to routes or longer distances. Um, the, the horses that seem to happen to not be in the vanguard early uh, are just not natural gate speed horses. And when you go in these a uh, little bit of a longer race, sometimes the jockeys aren't going to go as hard. So number three, Spite Store could be right up there for um, Richard uh, Morton, Morton, who I actually have never heard of. 19 races so far this year at Woodbine and doing pretty good at 16% clips. So second off the layoff, number three, Spite Store is my backup, but I'm going to anchor pretty heavily on Cotton, the number seven. Yeah, I'm, I, mean, I get Spite Store for sure. And I mean, I think the case is, I think the case makes a lot of sense. I think it might be a little bit more forwardly positioned even than, than Cotton is. It just, it depends on how, you know, the tactics end up playing out, but should be in a good spot and, and and has a good draw. I have no problem including some threes on my tickets in that eighth race. The ninth race, we're in the allowance ranks once again, Phillies and Mares, three and up, six furlongs. We pop over to the synthetic for this one. Who did you come up with, my friend? Yeah, cold single for me. I think a lot, it kind of comes down to uh, exposed form of a lot of these runners. And I think the number two, super flashy, still has a step forward to take. Last out two deeper waters and just couldn't keep up. This horse has a, I think a mid eighties buyer race coming up here real soon. Um, hopefully on Saturday and on debut after the long layoff came out and dominated the field. I want to see that as the stepping stone right there. It was an N3L. We're moving up a little bit, but I think uh, number two, super flashy two to one would be a gift. Um, I think we'll see four to five maybe uh, in that price range. So it's always good as a handicapper to play this guessing game of where the odds are going to be because uh, it helps helps build in your head kind of your own internal clock of when you're wagering, especially in live cash uh, tournaments, uh, what your payouts are going to be as you move forward up the leaderboard. Definitely the fastest horse and could be set for a, a peak effort third off the bench. And I had in the mix, but I was going to try to do a pace angle in this spot where I, where I just thought there was a chance that things could boil over maybe a little bit early and that it could set up 
for number one, Kavala in this spot, who looks to me to be the clear um, uh, best, like proper late runner in a race that has just a ton of speed. So I was thinking Kavala might be able, with some competitive numbers, maybe not as fast as Super Flashy, to be able to get the job done in this spot. I do think those are the two you want. I feel like the ones who are going to be in front of them are not going to be finishing nearly as well as uh, nearly as well as as Kavala and Super Flashy in the spot. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about race number ten as we put as I put the finishing touches on this one. Um, we'll go on and see how we're going to figure this uh, late pick four out. Seven furlongs, maiden special weight, big full field. How are we going to get paid? Yeah, I could see a single of the number seven direct drive at three to one. I, I think this price is going to be even shorter than what the morning line is, probably two to one, nine to five range. Um, class dropper, uh, cuts back in distance a smidge and has the best overall figures and should sit a perfect pressing trip, has that tactical speed, which will be in the mix. Big, strong workout uh, in June 4th and last out just hung a little bit as, uh, or I guess I should say faded just a smidgen. It's tending the pace. Um, I'm going to use two others, though. The number one guard of honor, another cutback horse who took the drop this year down to the maiden optional claimers, has raced 12 times, so that's a little bit of a pause. But um, I think this horse has yet to catch a nice pace, and the only time uh, number one guard of honor had a pace to run into was on the inner, and we talk about that a lot, where the inner is tighter turns, sometimes favors speed, and uh, look to be on that pace a little bit. So... Number one, Guard of Honor, want to see take one big run at it, um, stay three or four lengths back, could could hit the board at the big price. And then the number 11, Venti, I'm playing a little bit of the jockey uh, game here with Mark Cassie having my top choice, the number seven direct drive and 11, Venti. Um, husbands uh, jumps aboard uh, Venti here on this spot, which I found interesting. Maybe there's some excuses. I watched the replay last back. It wasn't really anything to note, but... Um, big purchase price for some connections I trust with Eclipse, Thoroughbred, and uh, uh, Gary Barber. So the number 11 Venti at a little bit, 12 to 1, could go overlooked. But considering the connections, I'm imagining that price is going to drift down. So tread lightly on that one, but something to watch the tote board for. Yeah, somebody to run underneath maybe. I was going to try to take direct drive on. The angle simply being that he has not really shown the ability to pass horses. And I think there's some long shots here who project to be out in front. So maybe he's able to take control and do as you're suggesting, but I think there's also a chance that uh, things could get, things could get tough for that one at, at a short price. The one that I was the most interested in was the three chasing trouble. I really liked the run on debut closing well into blue fractions. I thought I had tr legit trouble last time ending up out of position on a track that I do think uh, favored speed to some degree. I feel like the third time could be the charm with that big debut to run back to and, you know, that hard bet, troubled trip second out. This is a horse that I think will be all of uh, eight or ten to one. And I think could be heard from on the switch to the, the turf. Definitely uh, pedigree that suggests that uh, the turf, to me, should be no worse than synthetic for this one. And might even be able to, if it was longer on the turf, I'd say, I'd confidently say, might even be able to move up on the green stuff. So the three chasing trouble for me to try to close things out at Woodbine. Any, uh, any closing thoughts for you, Drew, on the show? No, no, no. I, th I think that chasing trouble is an interesting one as well. Um, and yeah, Woodbine's gearing up. We keep seeing more stakes uh, come at us. And uh, 
this will be a good race. The race seven goes off at 414 Eastern time. So as you're watching Saratoga, don't forget to flip over to Woodbine because I think that's going to be a good two-year-old race. Yeah, we're going to have some more, uh, you know, plate day preview stakes coming up. And we'll obviously, we should probably do a King's Plate uh, anti-post show, even though we don't have betting on that market here. It might just be fun to look at it and, and gear up for what's sure to be a huge day up there. Still trying to figure out if I can somehow get up north of the border that day. It may have to wait till Woodbine Mile in September, but I'd love to get up to the plate. Terrific action at Woodbine. And now that I'm back stateside, really looking forward to getting stuck in over the next few weeks. And you will be my guide as we do that uh, that together. So great stuff from you, Drew. Appreciate you. Appreciate Nick coming on to talk about Monmouth and Naira with us. I'm going to thank our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Most of all, though, want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. Don't forget to check out Baby Talk, sponsored by Gainsway. Deep dive into some of these two-year-old races and keep a lookout for all the cool content we have coming, both for free uh, in themoneypodcast.com and also behind our little paywall in themoneypodcast.com slash plus. That's a fantastic way to support the content that we do and make sure everybody who's contributing can uh, get paid as well, which isn't a bad thing. For In The Money Media, I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>